This year, we're celebrating 20 years at FaithBridge. Our grand opening Sunday was at Kleb Intermediate School on Palm Sunday, 1999. Months before we could ever move into the Kleb Intermediate School, we had to get permission from the Klein Independent School District, which had initially said no. In the earliest days of FaithBridge, we'd been meeting in my apartment, but then kind of outgrew that, so we moved to uh, one of the people's homes so that we'd have a little bit more space. There were several dozen of us, but we knew we're gonna have to get into a public place to hold our worship services. Yeah, we just knew we needed someplace bigger. So it just, we just, as we grew, it was like a family that just kept growing and growing and growing. So we just knew we needed a place a little bit bigger. And we really thought that place was the Kleb Intermediate School. The way the cafeteria was set up and they had the gym and it was just, it was a perfect setup. It was right in the location that we wanted. And I remember Ken um, had made an appointment to go talk to the superintendent about it. And uh, he's, he came back and he said, well, I've got bad news. The Klein ISD had told us we don't rent our schools out to churches that don't own property in the district, which made no sense to us because don't you have to get up a crowd before you can possibly raise some money to buy the property? There, there was nothing we could do about it. The policy was really clear. You had to have acreage or you know some sort of something, and we didn't have any of that. But we continue to pray. When you're a little bitty church with six or eight or 10 or 20, uh, people, um, you don't have any resources. I mean, when we met, even as a small group, um, we spent at least half the time, if not more, in prayer. There was lots of prayer. Yes, we prayed in small groups, we prayed in pairs, we prayed a lot. It was uncomfortable for me in the beginning because I just wasn't used to that, right? Grew up kind of in the the formal church setting, and you just didn't do that. It took a little, uh, a little learning, uh, a little doing, right, to get uh, to get comfortable. Many, many hours on our knees. It's uh, if you cut Faithbridge, Faithbridge would bleed prayer. I mean, it is that is a part of who Faithbridge is. We just got down on our knees and we prayed. One Sunday, we prayed another Sunday. We prayed about seven or eight Sundays. God, would you open the door to let us go into the Calabria Intermediate School? Eventually, uh, I think God uh, softened the heart of the superintendent and he gave it a second thought, unbeknownst to us, and called Kim back and said, you know, I think we can work something out. I went in, had that meeting, and in 20 minutes walked out and we had permission to use the Club Intermediate School, which we'd be in for seven years. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, God answers prayer. How great is that? I love that. And I just love that. Like, I love that FaithBridge right now is reaping the benefits of 20 years of faithful prayer. And I think it's amazing, and we get to see what God has done over these past 20 years, and then look forward to what the next 20 could hold. Well, we're glad that you're here. Um, if you need a Bible, 
raise your hand. We're starting a new series on prayer today. It's three parts. And um, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. I'll read it. I'll pray. And we'll dive in. So Matthew chapter 6 says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me pray for us. Father, God, we are grateful for all that you've done in these past 20 years. God, the people that you've saved, the lives that you've transformed, the community that you've built here. God, we're grateful for it. So Lord, as we look at your word and look at prayer, God, would you speak to us? God, would you convict us if we have a lack of prayer in our life? And God, would you reveal to us through your word what it means to pray? How do we pray and how that transforms our life? So Lord, would you use me and use this time? That's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 1939, Bill Finger and Bob Kane sat in a small New York City apartment where they began to draw one of the most iconic superheroes to ever uh, cross the pages of comic books. Uh, They drew a comic book hero named Batman. Now, when they drew Batman, they not only drew Batman, but they also drew his alter ego, Bruce Wayne, billionaire, amazing, uh, owner of the Wayne Corporation. Now, I don't know if you've gotten involved in the superhero craze that's going on right now, but most of us would know Batman. Most of us are familiar with that, and maybe you're you're not a Ben Affleck fan. Uh, Batflack isn't your guy. Maybe you have to go back to the Dark Knight trilogy and Christian Bale, and you're like, that's my Batman. Maybe you go back even further, and you're like, I'm a George Clooney guy. Or go back even further, and maybe you're Michael Keaton. Maybe you're a purist, and you're like 1960s Adam West and his bat spray. That's my guy. That's my guy. But in all of those, Bruce Wayne is along with him. He's always Batman by night, Bruce Wayne by the day, that he would walk around through his day like a normal person, a billionaire, but (laughs) at night he would don his cape and he would become something more powerful. Now he's not alone in having an alter ego. A lot of superheroes have them. If if I said Tony Stark, you would know Iron Man. If I said Peter Parker, you would know Spider-Man or Steve Rogers, Captain America. And people from Mr. Incredible to the Incredible Hulk all have these alter egos that they all walk around through the day and they look like everybody else, but inside of them, they're tapped into a secret power. That there's something about them that allows them to do more. Now why do I start there? For this reason. Jesus is telling us in this passage how we can walk around like everybody else, how we can go through the normal day looking like everybody else, but be tapped into a secret power, that we can be tapped into something different. And so he says in Matthew chapter six, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you pray, Faithbridge, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who's in secret will reward you. Now Jesus in this moment is talking about one of the most basic things that Christians do. Like if I said Christians pray, that's not something you're gonna write down probably in your notes. Like if we pulled 100 people family feud style and the buzzer's there and said, okay, what do Christians do? Pray, ding, 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 that's the number one answer. Like for sure, we all know that we're supposed to pray. But I think Jesus is speaking to us in this moment because we know we're supposed to pray, but oftentimes we don't know how to pray. That we might know we are supposed to, but we're lost in the how we actually do it. And so Jesus in this moment, he compares two people. He says, okay, there's two people. There's the hypocrite, and they like to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, and then there's the person that prays in secret. Now, if I said, class, which one are we supposed to be? No one's gonna go, I need to be the hypocrite. Sign me up for that. We all know we're not supposed to be that one. We're supposed to be the secret prayer. The question has to be asked, though, why? Why do we not pray in public? Why do we pray in the secret thing? Kyle, you're the prayer pastor. You stand in front of all of us every week and pray. Does that mean you're in the wrong? Does that mean you're not obeying the scriptures in this? Well, no, let me explain what this text is saying. So verse five, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners. So he says there's a group of people that loves to pray in the sight of other people. They like to pray where other people can see them. But then it, he tells us, Jesus tells us the reason why, the motivation behind the prayers. And he says, so that they may be seen by other people. That the reason it's wrong to pray in that way is because the motivation was wrong. That they wanted to be seen by everybody else. But there's a problem with that because 1 Samuel 16 says, Man looked at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. All that to say, your motivation matters. The motivations of why you do something matters. And so he's saying that there's a group of people that, that are praying, and they're praying so that they can be seen by other people. At the root of the reason they're praying is one word, pride. The reason they're doing that is one word, Pride. I remember freshman year of college, I just got into Oklahoma State University and I joined a Christian organization and we were walking around campus, prayer walking the campus. And I got my little slip of paper and I was supposed to pray for uh, the little bar street, we call it a strip. And so we had prayed for the dorms and then we prayed for the library and then we walked to the little street corner where the bars started and it was my turn to pray. And I just joined this organization and I wanted everybody to know I knew what I was doing. I'm a praying man. And so I stood up and I cleared my throat. <clears throat> and I said, oh, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you heal these people? And I was like, I have never, ever sounded like that in my entire life. I don't even know who that was. I realized it was because I was listening to a preacher that sounded like that. And I thought, well, if I sounded like him, then people would know I would pray. And I finished praying and everybody kind of like, I looked up and everyone was like, hmm, okay. And it's funny because I look back on that and God didn't answer a single one of those prayers. <laughs> and I don't think it was because my prayers were too small 
or like the prayers were too big and God was too small to answer them. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was because my motivation was wrong. I wanted everybody to see me as a praying man. It was about me. It wasn't about God. Now, I don't think there's a lot of us in here that's wrestling through that, that we're standing in front praying and other people, and that's where uh, our, our pitfall is. No one really is in here standing at their cubicle in Exxon going, hey, everybody, I got to pray. Look at me. Look at me. Accounting department. Hey, over here. Uh, nope. Sharon, don't roll your eyes at me. I got to pray. I got to pray. That's really not us. But we do it in other ways. Like this is the same person that we only serve when other people are watching. We only do good things when we see the eyes of other people. That we only give when the person next to us is kind of eyeing us and we drop it in and we go, that was a 50, you saw that? Yeah, you saw that? <laughs> this is the same person that only does their devotional time when we post it on social media. You know what I'm talking about, like you're in a coffee shop and it's this really cute coffee shop and you have your Bible and it's just at the right time of day where it's like the golden hour and it's hitting your Bible and just illuminating it and you have your latte and it's just perfectly placed and you gotta turn it a little bit. And then you're trying to take the picture and you're like, okay, just gotta, okay, gotta find the filter, gotta, no, it's not Oslo, it's not Paris, Melbourne, that's the Instagram filter, that's me. That one's not Passion City, it's not Hillsong, it's me. That one's my filter. And we do it so long that we forget to even do the Devo, that we've spent 30 minutes trying to take this perfect picture of it to tell everybody that I've had my time with the Lord and we don't even spend time with the Lord. Now, is that, a, is that wrong to post on social media about Jesus? No, I think that world of the internet probably needs some scripture and probably needs some encouragement. But it is wrong if that's the only time that you spend time with the Lord is when you post about it. Like that's a problem is when the only time you spend time with the Lord is when other people can see. And so we might not struggle with pride from praying in front of others, but the root of pride runs deep into the heart of every man. All of us have this. And so Jesus addresses it and he says that, okay, there's a problem because when we get this wrong, we miss out on a lot because pride is bad because God doesn't do pride. He doesn't do pride. He actually says in his word, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so he contrasts being out in the public trying to get the praise of men. He says, how can we get the praise of God? How can we be worried about getting the praise of God when we're so concerned with the praises of men? And so when we miss out on it though, we miss out on a lot. Because he says that if you go to your secret place and you close your door, you'll be rewarded. And the reward that God gives us when we go to him is himself. He is our reward. And so Jesus says in verse six, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward us. So Jesus contrasts being out in front of everybody to being alone with God. He says, what you need to do is you need to shut out the world's distractions and disturbances. Close your eyes to the eyes of men and shut yourself in to the eyes of God. Close out whatever the world is doing and focus yourself behind a secret place to go along where it's just you and God. And I think this is what will happen. When you pray in secret, you'll find God. You'll find that God is all you have in that secret place. But when you find that God is all you have, you'll find that he's all you need. 
When you go to God in secret, you'll find that all you have is God, and when God is all you have, you have all that you need. And so he says, Jesus is telling us and trying to convince us to go to a secret place, to find God alone, where he can be your reward. His presence is our present. Like he himself is our reward. And I remember in college, I was looking for a rental house and we were bouncing around to different houses and I was with a friend of mine that I was renting the house with and we kept going to all these different houses and he would walk in and just start opening doors. It was like a really weird thing. He just kept opening all of these doors. I was like, what are you looking for? And he's like, I'm looking for just a small prayer closet. And I just, that blew my mind. I was like, I have never even once thought to be looking for a prayer closet. I'm just like hoping there's a refrigerator. It's a college house. Like it's not even guaranteed. And so we're just trying to figure that out. And he's looking and he's, he found one, he's got his little prayer closet. And I realized what he's doing is, is he was taking these words literally. And his life was different than everybody else's life. Like his life, there was something about him. He had this just presence with God that was something different. And I think it was because he spent time in his secret prayer place where it was just him and God. And I got to be around him and I got to start doing that a little bit. And I'll tell you, it changed my life. As I began to steal away with God, I found him so, so good. And I think you will too, if you find a secret prayer place. Okay, Kyle, so does that mean I gotta go clear out my little Harry Potter closet under the stairs and, and like just curl up in a ball and pray there? Is that what I have to do? I get claustrophobic, like that's not gonna work. I'm the same way. Like if you were to tell me to close your closet door and turn the light off, like I'm falling asleep. Like that's dark, it's cozy, I'm gonna fall asleep. Don't get mixed up in the semantics of it. Remember, it's about the motivation of why you're doing it. See, your prayer closet could be anything. It doesn't have to be a literal closet. It could be, that's a great place to start. But it could be your cubicle at your office. It could be your drive to lunch. It could be so many different things. It's just about uh, praying. It has far less to do with exactly how you're doing it and far more to do with you actually doing it. And so he says, Pray, find a secret place and pray. And I think what you'll find when you get to this moment and you begin to pray is you'll find God. And when you find God, you get the reward, which is power. You'll find a secret power that resides in God because God himself is powerful. And when we spend time with him, we get a bit of that same power. And so I think some of us in the room, if we're honest, we are feeling tired we're feeling burnt out, we're exhausted, and we're run down. And I think there's a reason for it. I think for a lot of us, we're feeling that way because we haven't been spending time with God. That we're exhausted from this world because we're trying to run into this world alone when you were never intended to. This world is too big, this world is too exhausting to try to go in it alone. What God is trying to tell you in this moment is to go to Him. That as you go to him and spend time with him, he becomes your power through the day. He becomes your ability to not get burned out when you're completely exhausted. It's himself. He is the power. And so I think some of us, if we're honest, a lot of us, we're sitting, and it's like we're sitting in our car. We have the key. Like we, we know prayer. We have the key. But a lot of us are sitting in a car and we're sitting in the driveway and we're getting so frustrated because I'm not moving. 
We're sitting there, we're going like, why aren't I moving? Like, I just want to get on the road. I want to get going and I'm not going anywhere. And we're getting frustrated because of it because we have the key in our hand and we haven't turned it in the ignition to light the, the, the spark, the fuel to begin to let the engine roar in your life. That we're trying to do this without putting the key in the ignition. But I tell you what will happen when you begin to turn the key of the ignition of your life is your life will begin to roar is you'll have a power fueled by God. And you'll be able to go into this brutal world and not grow weary, not grow exhausted, not get beaten down because you're tethered to the one who is able. You are tethered to God himself. And I think as we begin to do this, as we begin to steal away time with God is what you'll begin to see, is you'll begin to see the fruits of your spirit start arising in your life. I think you might be able to see uh, conquerings over sins that you've just been so struggling through, that you'll begin to might see your marriage improve, you might see your job improve or your, your schoolwork improve as you lean into it. I think about it, how many sins could be avoided with just five minutes of prayer? How many sins could be avoided with like two minutes of prayer? That if we just stopped for a moment and said, Lord, you're here, I think we would avoid a lot. How much of our life would change if we just spent the first few moments of our morning talking to God? If we actually stole away and found a secret place with God. And this came real to me when I was in college. I, I never really had a prayer life. For the first few years of my faith, I just never really had a prayer life. And I was listening to a sermon and I was convicted by it because he was talking about how much of a prayer life he had. But he told in the sermon, he said, this is what he did is he, he wanted to start his day off in prayer. And so what he did was he got a blanket and he folded it and he laid it down uh, on the ground in front of his closet. And then he knew that if he was going to cross over that blanket to get a shirt for the day, he wanted to stop before he did that and prayed. And if he didn't stop and kneel down and pray, then he would be literally stepping over God and stepping over prayer. And it was this like physical barrier that he had so that he could just be disciplined enough. And he said it changed the way that he prayed. And so I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I got out a little red blanket in my room and I put it down on my closet and I began to do that. And you know what? It changed my life. Like it really did. Like I began to see my life with more joy than I had before. I began to see my life with more peace than I had before. I began to see my life with more conquerings of sins and I didn't grow frustrated. And then I knew that like even today, even like this past week, I knew the times that I don't steal away a few minutes in the morning with the word of God and with prayer, I grow way wearier easier. I get so frustrated with people so much faster if I don't start the day spending it in prayer. And this idea that we go to a secret place is we begin to get the power of God. But I wanna give one little clarity on what the power of God is. I think we can miss that sometimes. I think we think of it sometimes like God's sitting up there and he's got like a cupboard full of cans of power. And he like opens it and he goes and gets in. It's an external quality that God goes and he gives it to us. And that's not the way the power of God works. That's not the way the peace of God works. That's not the way the joy of God works. He doesn't go and get it. He is it. He is the power. He is the peace. He is the joy. And so when we just spend time with him, we begin to get it. 
It's not something he gets it and then he distances himself away. No, if we want the power of God, if we want the peace of God, if we want the joy of God, we have to spend time with God because he is those things. But I'll end here and then I'll give us a few practical tips on how to pray because I think it's just good to have some practicality running into this week with it. I'll end here. I love the Netflix. I love Netflix. I love the, the Netflix download feature. Y'all familiar with this? It's great. Um, I was flying back from Zambia last summer back to the States after a mission trip, and it's a 15-hour plane ride. And so my, plane, my plan was I had my iPad, and I was going to download an entire season of The Office and a couple movies, and I was going to sail on back, and it was going to be great. And so I planned to download a whole bunch of stuff, and I woke up in the morning, and worst thing happened. All of them were like stuck at like 12%, which is bad. And they all had a little exclamation point. Um, and I began to panic because I was like, all I had was a Bible and I'm a, I love Jesus. 15 hours is a long time. But I don't know how spiritual you are. This is real people. Like I need some Netflix. It's just trying to survive this thing. And so I, I clicked on the little exclamation point and it said there wasn't enough storage. And so I went to my settings app and I began to like try to figure out where was all my storage being used. And it was being used in the most bizarre things. Like there were things that, apps that I had downloaded that I have no idea when I downloaded it or why I downloaded it. At one point I put a bird watching app on my iPad. I've never once wanted to watch birds. Like that, I don't know why I had it. That's not even a lie, that's a real app I had. And I just had all these different things. And so I just started just cleaning house. I was getting rid of apps. I was getting rid of podcasts and movies, all sorts of stuff. Because to get in what I wanted in, I had to remove something from my iPad. And our, that my iPad is a lot like our life. That there is only a finite amount of time in a day. There are only so many hours in a day. And it's a zero-sum affair. Like, it will all get used up. And so if you don't get rid of some stuff, there will be no room for other things to come in. And so the question I have for you is what you want God to be willing to do in your life, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to get rid of in your life? He is like the ocean wave. No matter how far you dig in the sand, it will fill it completely. How deep are you willing to go? And I think when we do this, I really do think this, it will change some things. And so I have a few ideas that you can take free of charge to try to transform your prayer life this week. I got four for us. First thing, wake up 15 minutes earlier than you do normally. Wake up 15 minutes earlier than you do normally and give those first 15 minutes to God. Um, but Kyle, I already wake up in the morning and, and pray and do that Wake up 15 more minutes. Give God 15 more minutes. What would, what would change in that? What would change in your day if you, the night before, wrote out your schedule on a piece of paper and you had a meeting at 11, you had a lunch meeting, you had a budget meeting, you had all this different stuff. And then the next morning when you woke up, you just prayed through that list. And you said, God, I need you to be with me in this meeting. God, I'm anxious about this, this lunch I have with this person. I don't know how it's gonna work. God, would you, would you show us the direction we need to go? What would change as you walked into those meetings if you prayed about it? I think you would walk in with more peace. 
I think you'd walk in with more confidence in the Lord if you lifted those things up to him before you went into him. I got a second one, what about this? What if you commandeered your commute? Commandeered, commandeers is old pirate term, means like to take over. Uh, I think a lot of us think of our commute time as time wasted. And we just go, it's an hour I got in the day and nothing good happens, I'll put some music on, it's fine. What if you took over that time and prayed on your way to work? You're going, Kyle, I got an hour commute, that's a long time. What if you just started and you prayed on your way out of the neighborhood? From the moment you left your driveway to the moment you hit a main road, you just prayed during that time. This is one that I do every single morning. On my way uh, to the church, I, I leave in the morning, and the moment I leave, I, I start praying. And I just pray for the different meetings I have, or the counseling sessions I have, or, or the, the sermon writing I'm going to do, and all that stuff. And I just pray through it as I'm going through my day. And then I get here, and I'm ready to start the day. So what if you commandeered your commute and and thought of it not as time wasted, but as time with God. I think that could change some things. I think you could find a little bit of time on your commute to God. Here's one thing that you can do before you go home today, and I'd encourage all of y'all to do it. Turn off the notifications on your apps, on your phones, like all of us. I mean, the average American checks their phone 150 times a day. That's once every six minutes. And we have different buzzes and bings and all sorts of different stuff, and each one of those grabs our attention. So what if we turned that off, we took over what has control of our attention, and we gave that attention to God? I think you'd find yourself with five more minutes in the day. I think you'd find uh, a little bit more time in the morning or in the evening if we just turned off the notifications on your phone. If you want to go to Instagram, go to Instagram, and then let the notifications hit you. Don't let... Instagram dictate when you go to Instagram. Take control of what has your attention. I think that would change some things. The last one I got for you, what if every day you took a walk with God? Every day you took a walk with God. Well, Kyle, how long does it have to be? I don't know, a block around your cul-de-sac. It doesn't matter how long it is, it's more importantly that you're doing it. What would, how would taking a walk with God change your walk with God? I think it would change it quite a bit. What if you left your phone at home and, and you just walked down to the end of your street and just talked to God about your day? And you said, Lord, uh, I, I'm worried about this. I'm frustrated about this. God, you, you, you came through in this way. And God, thanks for doing that. And you just talked to God the entire way. This is one you can do with your spouse. What if you and your spouse left and y'all prayed the entire way down and just talked to God together and you got to the end of your street and then you turned around and you just talked to each other? How much would that change your relationship with God and how much would that change your relationship with each other? If you did that with your spouse or your family, you leave the phone at home, you leave all the distractions and you just go and you take a walk with God. I think that would change some things. I came to church for this, to take a walk. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes the most simple things are the most life-changing. I think if you did this, it would change some things. I think if we as a church carved out time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, a walk, a car ride, and gave that time to God, if we carved out a secret place in our life, I think that would change some things. How might your marriage improve if you had a secret prayer life? How much might your job improve if you had a secret prayer life? How much better of a student would you be if you had a secret prayer life? How much deeper of a relationship with God would you have if you went on a secret prayer life? 
How much more joy would you have, more peace would you have, and not worry about the rest of the world? How much would change if you had a secret prayer life? I think it would change a lot. I really do. And what happens when prayer goes up, power comes down. When prayer goes up, power comes down. And when God's people pray, God moves. I've heard it put before, Satan trembles when, the, when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. That our power is God. This world is hard. This world will beat you down. This world will win if we don't find our strength in him who has already defeated everything. God is our power. So what would change if you prayed? How would that change your family? How would that change your friend groups? How would that change your work? How would that change our church if the next 20 years, we've seen what God has done in 20 years. What would happen in the next 20 years if we were people that continued to call out to God? If we were people that desperately pleaded and found our strength in the secret place that we have with God, I think it would change a lot. I think this Houston area would change if we were a people that continued to be people that pray. If we found our strength in the power of God in our secret place. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and, and then I'll lead us in praying. It would make sense. If we're going to talk about pray, why don't we, we start our week by praying a little bit together. So let me pray for us. Father, God, you are good. And God, we're grateful that we get to talk to you. God, we don't want to take that for lightly. We know that the ability to communicate you was costly. God, it cost your son's life. That on the cross, you bought a way back to you. On the cross, you bought a way for us to communicate with you again. And so, God, we're thankful for that, and we want to give you praise even in that. God, thanks for what you've done in the past 20 years at FaithBridge. God, thanks for what you're going to do in the next 20 years. We know, Lord, you're not done. So, Lord, would you hear our prayers? God, would you give us the conviction, even in this moment, to maybe try just one of those different ideas and implement that in our life? And then, Lord, would you show up? God, would you show up in those 15 minutes in the beginning of the day? God, would you show up in our car ride to work? Lord, would you reveal to us yourself and how important it is? God, show us the difference that happens when we pray to you. Lord, you're good. Amen. Well, I want to lead us in a prayer exercise called ACTS. It's an acronym. It stands for Acknowledgement, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And so um, I'll start us out, and then I'll call out those different words, and we'll talk about adoration. And in your seat right now with your spouse or just you by yourself, you pray. And I want to challenge you to do that. Um, and so let me lead us in that, and then we'll sing one more song. Father, God, hear our prayers. So let's pray for, for adoration. What adoration is, is, is just declaring who God is, declaring to God how good he is. And it's just saying, Lord, you are mighty. Lord, you are the king of kings. Lord, you are the prince of peace. God, you are savior. It's just declaring who God is, fixing our eyes on him. So let's, let's do that. Let's adorate God right now. Well, the C stands for confession. 
And it's a time before we continue to talk to God to just confess to God um, what has hindered us, confess sins that we have, confess um, different things that we've done, said, or thought this week, confess to God uh, our lack of dependency on him. Um, and so with whatever God brings to mind right now, why don't you just say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, would you forgive me? God, remind me that the cross has forgiven me. So why don't you confess right now? Well, the T stands for thanksgiving. And it's a time where we thank God for what he's done. And that can just be, Lord, thank you for the cross. God, we give you praise for that. Lord, thank you for freeing me from this disease or this illness. God, thank you for bringing me out of this situation. God, thank you for coming through uh, with whatever it is in your life. So why don't you give God thanks right now? Well, and the last one, the S, stands for supplication. And it's asking God for something. So this could be, Lord, I need healing. Lord, I need help. Lord, I need, um, I need freedom from this sin. I need peace in the midst of anxiety. I need help in the midst of school or I need help in the midst of work. And it's just asking God to come through asking God that he would provide. So why don't you do that now? Lord, I'm grateful we're praying, church. God, I pray that you continue to give us the burden to be dependent on you. Lord, we know we can't do it without you. Lord, we need you. So Lord, would you hear our prayers? God, would you transform the prayer life of every person in here, God? For some that have been praying faithfully for years and years and they have such a vibrant relationship with you, God, would you show them and continue to show them how good you are? And God, for those that haven't prayed ever, God, would you let this be the start? And would you transform their life as they begin to lean into you? Lord, we're grateful for what you're going to do. We're grateful that you are a faithful God who hears our prayers. And that's in Jesus' name. Amen.